0: Yesterday we were talking about what the Ducks as a team can improve upon going into this week's matchup with number 12 BYU. But what about the quarterback? What can Bo Nix do better? And what does he frankly need to do better coming into this matchup with Cougars in Eugene? Here we go. You are locked on Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. Like, comment, and subscribe, please, wherever you're listening to or watching this show. We recently hit 1,000 subs on the YouTube channel. Just like that, boom, over 1,100. Thank all of you. Oregon fans, my thanks go out to all of you out there. And Bo Nix so far has given us two games that are very different. And as Bo Nix has gone, Oregon has gone. I don't think that's a coincidence given the opponents that were there. But going into this week against BYU, everybody's going to have to be at their best. This is a Cougars team that is going to feel confident coming off of a win at home in front of the home fans in overtime against number 9 Baylor. They're now up at number 12, which is kind of where they ended. Last year in the regular season, I believe they lost their bowl game, but they were a 10-win team. They're looking to build on that. Like this is this is a team that has high-caliber aspirations. Heck, if they run the table, they could be a college football playoff team. So there's a very motivated other team coming into Eugene this weekend, and Oregon's going to have to be better in a couple areas. Talked about it yesterday pass rush. I'm going to get to the secondary a little bit, but we're starting with uh, Bo Nick. So I think the biggest area where Bo can improve based on what we've seen against Georgia and against Eastern Washington as well, in addition to what we know about him, given his time at uh, Auburn down with the Tigers. I think this week, if I'm BYU, I'm blitzing Bo Nix about as often as I can, because so far that's been an area where he has struggled. Now, When the defense is blitzing as a quarterback, you have to recognize man pressure, zone pressure, and then you have to determine where your hot route is if that blitz ends up coming, right? If it's zone pressure, ideally you throw right over the top of where the blitzer comes from because he tends to leave a void unless the defense fills it really well, but there's still opportunities there. I think that's an area where Bo struggled a little against Georgia, but against Eastern Washington as well, it's not something—and back at Auburn, too— It's not something that he's ever really excelled at. And I think part of the playbook on defending Bo Nix and forcing him into precarious situations as a quarterback is to get pressure on him. That's the case for any quarterback. But when Additional rushers are coming in addition to the guys up front, and and that's probably what BYU will have to do to get pressure here. I don't think their defensive line is really that heralded, and Oregon's offensive line has looked the part so far this year. But in the times where uh, protection has broken down a little bit or the blitz has been coming, Bo, like a lot of quarterbacks, but not what you'd like from a fourth-year quarterback per se, looks a little rattled at, at times and doesn't know where he wants to go with the football. So I think that's one of the areas for sure where he needs to continue to improve and at least be competent. He might not doesn't have to be, you know, Mariota level uh, against the pressure or anything like that. But you have to be able to make plays. Avoid sacks first, and he's done a pretty good job of that, I would say. He hasn't been sacked very often through the first couple of games. That's credit to the offensive line, but it's credit to the quarterback as well. Anybody who studies football film knows quarterbacks can run themselves into sacks check themselves into sacks from a play call perspective and uh, miss a read and generate a sack or or run into one too. Um, he hasn't done that a ton so far, but I think that when the blitz comes, he has to continue to to trust his offensive line to to protect him and also know where he needs to go with the football to give the ducks a chance to to get some positive yardage. Another thing, too, there are times I've seen, and this again was a part of the book on him coming in, and I think we've seen it so far with uh, one of his interceptions against Georgia and then a couple plays here and there against Eastern Washington too. He doesn't always get through a number of his progressions in a given passing play. Now, that could be part of the design from Kenny Dillingham in that he is defining reads and defining throws for him and saying, this is where the play is designed to go and nobody else is a major factor, but I think there are moments where, where Bo kind of going back to the commentary I had here about the blitz. When his first read isn't there, you kind of see a little bit of franticness to his play style where he looks, he sees, Oh, he's not there. Oh gosh, what do I do? And I think part of that comes from the amount of pressure he was under while he was at, at Auburn. Cause the offensive line was not exceptional while he was there. He's got to trust his offensive line is going to give him enough time, even against a team like BYU, because I think he had this uh, against Georgia as well, uh, even though some of the play calls were you know, mildly conservative and uh, clearly defined row, throws or design plays for a specific target. But he doesn't always, always get through his progressions, and I would like to see him do that more. And I, I think that's a step that he can take a, as a quarterback. Now, we're talking about a guy who's starting for his fourth year in college football, so how quickly can he make that, or can we expect that he even will? 50-50 proposition at this point in time. But the whole premise of bringing Bonex in and making him the starter is that he's able to be a better version of, of himself than what he has been in previous years. And he has not proved statistically from a completion percentage and touchdown to interception ratio uh, perspective the last couple of years in college football. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that that he could take another step forward in these areas. But I think that that's what we're seeing from him right now or, you know, uh, some lingering effects of the player that he was at Auburn. And I think he's getting more comfortable in the offense and certainly has to be feeling confident about how how that side of the ball performed over the weekend against Eastern Washington. But I also think that there's there's always growth that has to just take place over the course of the game. And look, I don't think Georgia was a very fair barometer. And I don't think Eastern Washington is a great barometer either because of the the nature of those two opponents. So this week against BYU is a really, really big one, uh, I I think, for Bo Nix. And uh, being better against the Blitz and and not panicking all the time while also getting through his progressions on uh, more normal plays when he does have time to throw, I think those are two uh, pretty clear areas where, where he can improve. The other one, too, this is not passing related. This is just football related. And this goes back or builds off of Something I talked about yesterday on the show, if you listen or watch, thank you for doing that and being a daily follower here at Locked on Ducks. Stop tripping the running backs. (laughs) I've never seen this happen so many times. I swear it it happened at least twice, I'm pretty sure three times over the weekend, and you can't have that in those specific moments. That's something that you just got to clean up, and I don't know if it's his footwork or what's going on with the exchange there, but I've never seen a running back trip on his quarterback's feet running from the shotgun so many times. You can't afford that against BYU. Oregon's favored in this game right now. I am really surprised by that, honestly. I I think that that, if this were in BYU, the Cougars would 100% be favored. It's like three and a half, four points for the Ducks right now. That seems like a lot because I think this is going to be a tightly contested game. But if you're going to play in that sort of contest the way that Vegas expects it to be, the way I expect it to be, it'll come down, much like Florida's game uh, against Utah down in the swamp in week one, it'll come down to execution in key moments. And if you've got a third and one in the red zone and Bo Nix has got Sean Dollars next to him and they're trying to just run the ball to pick it up and he trips and we have to settle for a field goal instead of punching in for six, that could make or break the game. You, You can't have those little sorts of things and it's something that has got to be cleaned up and yeah he he's got to be sharper a, in some areas as a passer but that one man I I just I don't want to have to hold my breath every time he goes to hand the ball off and and hope and pray that it's not one of the times where running back is going to trip over his feet like that's just you, you, you cannot have that sort of thing. He has been doing some good things so far through the first couple of games. I'll talk about those after I remind you that from cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys you know some things kind of niche like gas, groceries, or dines out. If that's you, Upside is for you. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to... To upside. To get started, download the free Upside app, use my promo code LOCKED, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Download the free Upside app, promo code LOCKED, get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Go check them out today. That is the Upside app. Promo code lock to get $5 or more off your first purchase of $10 or more. Hasn't been all bad with uh, Bo Nix. He certainly had an excellent game. Career best five touchdowns against Eastern Washington. Now, is that going to happen again? No, probably not because two of those touchdowns against power five opponents are just not going to happen, right? The Honestly, maybe three of them. Three three of them might not even happen. One of them might turn into a touchdown later. But Terrence Ferguson's two touchdowns. He's just a bigger, stronger, better athlete than those guys. And against BYU, that's going to be tougher. Troy Franklin's at the end of the half. Again, right read from Bo Nix, but little thing with execution right there. Franklin's got to run that route at least to a spot where he can, you know, uh, turn and surge into the end zone or or just run it right at the goal line because you can't be catching that ball short with – Five seconds on the clock when the ball is snapped and expect to score a touchdown every time. It's just uh, not going to happen. But it has not been all bad with with Bo Nix. And some things that that I like that I've seen from him so far are in relation to what he's done in the pocket. And one in particular, there was a long throw. It was a a play-action shot play that I I like that Kenny Dillingham is trying to dial up, trying to call. I also like that Bo Nix is not forcing the issue all the time, but that he's taken what's available to him. there's one play in particular, and this is just kind of Bo's handling of the pocket writ large. It's it's a play action, and it's designed for him to roll out, and he does, and he sees Troy Franklin on the sideline, and rather than trying to make a throw on the move, he stops, sets his feet, and he delivered an absolute strike. And he had a couple really nice throws to Troy Franklin. Uh, He also converted a third and eight, uh, I think it was, when he zipped it all the way across the field. Like, he showed the arm strength that made him a five-star recruit when he came out of high school. Like that, that's never been in question. His mechanics have all have, have always been something that have kind of held him back at times and, you know, trying to do too much. But when I saw him make that throw, I I saw a quarterback who was well-coached number one to, to set his feet, but number two, was feeling more more confident and not as rushed, right? He He had a sense that that he had time, which he did. and, and using that time to set his feet and make a good, strong, accurate throw, I, I thought was encouraging. But from within the pocket, you know one thing that that we also heard about Boys when he came over was that, yeah, he, he left the pocket too often, he scrambled away, gave up on plays too soon. I still think it could be better at times getting through his progressions, interesting his offensive line. But overall, I haven't seen too many instances in where he broke the pocket and I thought, oh, Bo, you didn't need to do that. You just stay there and try and deliver a throw. I think he's been kept pretty upright by this offensive line, which is what we expected and should expect again this weekend against BYU. But if he continues to sit there and, and trust his ability to facilitate, and I love that he's getting the ball to all sorts of different weapons and, and whatnot, and trust his offensive line to protect him on some of these play-action shot plays to, to get the ball down the field consistently, I think that's a real benefit for for Oregon's offense. Uh, oh, by, by the way, before I forget, uh, yesterday on the show, I said, ah, I was surprised Dante Thornton wasn't that involved. I was watching the game partially on the bus back from Salt Lake City after Southern Utah was thrashed by uh, the Utes. So my stream was going in and out, and I think I missed three of Dante Thornton's four catches, which he had for, for 60 yards. And I was going back and watching uh, the game rerun on uh, on YouTube, the highlights over there, which are great. Uh, if you ever want to check him out, I do pretty often, uh, very often, actually. Uh, he had four catches for 60 yards and, and made some really nice plays. So I uh, retract that that comment a little bit. Um, I I love that Franklin and Thornton are are the top two receiving options here. Uh, Chase Cota was not as involved as he's capable of being. But again, I don't want Bo Nix to have one guy who was always looking for like Justin Herbert did with Dylan Mitchell. You know, I I want it to be more like the Mariota, Darren Thomas offenses, where it's just yeah, throw the ball to whoever's open. That's it. That, that's all I want it to be, and I want you to have high-level weapons in more than one area uh, offensively, and I think Oregon has that with guys like Franklin and Thornton. Um, but on, uh, on Bo Nix, I, I think that that has been a pleasant surprise so far. You know, the, the one interception I've talked about against Georgia was really bad. The other one, not so much. And there are things he can continue to improve upon, but I, I like what he's done in relation to the pocket and not just scrambling out. And if he continues to get even better at that, and, and continue to trust his offensive line, then I, I like where this offense can go. Flipping to the defensive side of, of the ball to uh, wrap up today's show. Not like I'm wrapping up in the next two minutes or anything, but um, the, the pass rush is a concern. It is my number one concern going into this week. But the secondary has also been a little suspect at times. Brian Addison is out there as one of the starting safeties. He and Steve Stevens... They're they're OK, but it seems like they're out of position or not glued to their man more often than not. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Jamal Hill and Bennett Williams, they've been about what you'd expect, you know, a little stronger against the run, but uh, solid against the pass. But against Eastern Washington, there were too many times. The Eagles really didn't execute well offensively. Their quarterback missed a bunch of throws that he probably expects to make, even against Oregon. He had guys wide open and and just missed them from time to time. First down conversions, potential touchdowns. I will give the secondary a pass on the first touchdown Eastern Washington scored. There was a blatant, and I mean a blatant, Missed pass interference call against the offense. Bennett Williams had a guy literally come across, not run a route, and just dropped his shoulder into him about three yards beyond the line of scrimmage. And the ball was thrown in the end zone and caught. He went over, pleaded to the official, and he definitely had a case. So I'll give him a pass on that one. But against a team like Eastern Washington, there were more guys running open and free than than you would like to see. And that that's a concern because you're going up against a BYU team that – Was missing their top two receivers a week ago against Baylor. Still managed to put up 26 points in overtime against what is a really stingy defense from Dave Aranda and company. But I do not feel as good about Oregon secondary right now as I would like to. I still like Christian Gonzalez. That's that that's that's about it. That that's about it from a pass coverage perspective. You know, Jamal Hill's been really active against the run. Uh, he's one of the team leaders in tackles. Flo leads away with uh, twelve right now. Something I'll be touching on here in a moment. But against Eastern Washington, when you're out athleting the other team by that much, it should not be. There there should not have been as many open guys as as the Eagles had, and it, it got a little better. As the game went on, you know, Triquez Bridges just out physical in the wide receiver and forcing his way to that interception. That's what it should have looked like for most of the game. But early on, there were too many instances where the Eagles had had guys running free and with three or four yards of separation and they just weren't able to to convert. They're still rotating a lot of bodies in there. I mean, we saw Dante Manning. We saw Triquez Bridges. Bennett Williams is out there. Brian Addison, Steve Stevens. The secondary on a team level is as much about communication as any unit, except for maybe the offensive line. And when you don't have a a, a core set of guys who you you are sure are going to go out out there and be your starters in the back end, but rather you're going to rotate them a lot, I think that lends you to have some communication breakdowns and guys are just not on the same level as often as you need them to be. And individually, they're just not winning enough one on ones. I, I I think that that is a real concern right now. And whether or not BYU has their top two receivers who are out last week or not, it's going to be a significantly better offensive attack that Oregon is going up against. You're going to have a better quarterback. You're going to have better receivers. You know, it's going to be a lot closer to Georgia than it is to to Eastern Washington this week uh, against BYU. And they've got a lot of confidence too. And the secondary is going to be tested in a big way and they're going to need some help from the pass rush cuz uh, so far I ha- have not loved what I've seen from him on on that side of the ball speaking of not loving what uh, we've seen so far someone pointed this out and it was a question asked Via the YouTube comments, you can do that. You can DM me at Smalls underscore 55 or at LockedOnDucks. Also tweet with the hashtag AskLODPod. Get a question answered here on the show. Uh, this one comes in from James Smiley via YouTube. He said, does it seem like Noah Sewell is literally just standing flat-footed almost every play? He never scraps to the ball anymore. He is just trying to catch people 48 yards down the field. He's not even close to an all-Pac-12 performer so far. Let me know if you see differently. I haven't thought about this a ton, but I went back and watched and looked at what he was talking about. I kind of agree. I think it's partially problematic and partially not problematic. He does have just five total tackles in two games. For Noah Sewell, that's an alarmingly low rate. Now, Oregon defensively has missed a lot of tackles as a team, and that's been a recurring issue that has got to be cleaned up in a big way going into this uh, weekend's game against BYU. Now, part of this could be the scheme that's coming from the defense, but Justin Flow leads the way with 12 tackles, so I think part of the reason his production is falling back a little bit is that Justin flow is very active and he is a physically gifted guy and Noah Sewell is as well that's a first round caliber linebacker in Sewell but Justin Flo has greater physical traits based on what I've seen so maybe Flo is just minorly beating him to the punch Um, I I do agree that Sewell has not been supremely active and another aspect is that Sewell's strength is stopping the run And the two teams we've seen so far, Georgia made a concerted effort to get the ball on the perimeter and go away from Oregon's strength on the defense, which is Noah Sewell and Justin Flo. And Eastern Washington has always been a pass-happy offense, and they were uh, an air-first attack on Saturday at Autzen Stadium. What that does when you're throwing the ball a lot and getting it on the perimeter, it really minimizes the impact Noah Sewell can have. In two ways. Number one, passing plays are not going to involve linebackers as often or give them opportunities to make plays and can reduce them to being blitzers if they're going to make an impact at all. But number two, what we've seen from Dan Lanning and company, and I don't fault them for this, is that Jeffrey Bassa has been on the field as the other linebacker in the 4-2-5 scheme pretty often to replace Noah Sewell. Because Bossa is far superior. He is easily Oregon's best coverage linebacker. I don't know that that's debatable. Justin Flo is still learning where he's supposed to be on uh, a given play and, and such. But Sewell and Flo both are run stoppers first, pass defenders second. And Flo, I think, is clearly better in the eyes of this coaching staff. But Bossa is above both of them from a pass coverage perspective. Because he has a smaller frame. And he's just a little bit more nimble in that sense. So when you're going against a couple of teams that are throwing the ball a lot, I think it just sets up for Noah Sewell to not be as high of an impact player as we're accustomed to him seeing, paired with the notion that Justin Flo is also really good and makes a lot of tackles, so Noah Sewell hasn't had to. What we've seen in the last couple of seasons at times is Noah Sewell feels like a life preserver on the Oregon defense, and I think now his reduced role—I agree—he's not been flying around with with the sort of heat-seeking mentality we've been accustomed to. And I think part of that could be he might feel that he doesn't have to the way he did because he does have more help in guys like Justin Flo or uh, Christian Gonzalez on the outside, or Jamal Hill has been very active in the run game as well on the back end of that Oregon defense. So I think it's something to watch. And I I think it's half concern and half just scheme related, right? Because he hasn't made the sort of impact plays we're used to, you know, last year against Ohio state had the big stop on fourth and two and, and had a couple of other really nice moments in that game. But what this staff is seeing is that pass coverage is not his strength and they want to put their best pass defenders on the field when they think it's going to be a throwing situation. And we'll see how BYU balances that out and how they can try and neutralize him as a defensive player because they have a really good quarterback with a big time arm in Jaron Hall, a guy who we'll be talking about as the week goes on. But I think that's I think that's what you're seeing. So love the question. Keep them coming leading into this week and beyond. Can't wait. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And wait a minute, I almost forgot one quick thing, and I didn't want to forget, and I didn't want to go back and edit it. A couple of injury notes. Seven McGee, he tweeted something encouraging about, can't wait for this again. Uh, I heard from someone who covers the team that it was just a cramp. That is not official. That is, repeat, that is not official. But uh, it, it does not appear to be a devastating situation. We'll see when the Ducks practice and uh, and more reports come out uh, what what the official word is there. Uh, Ryan Walk, not sure what his availability is going to be, but Marcus Harper so far has been serviceable at least and an above average replacement at best uh, at times through the games that that he's filled in and he made his first career start Saturday against Eastern Washington. And perhaps most importantly, Justin Flo isn't hurt yet. Those are your injury updates, at least that we've got for now. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.